you're on the wrong tire, you're fucked. If you're overheating the tire, you're fucked. If you've got no thread left, you're fucked. And welcome back to Rally DNA for episode eight of season two. I'm Killian Cronin and joined as ever by Jamie Arkell. How are you doing, Jamie? Superb. Thanks, Killian. Superb. Good stuff. And this week we welcome back our very first guest, Richard Brown. Remember him? Richard is going to guide us through the ins and outs of what goes on during a WRC pre-event test. Welcome back, Richard. How are you doing? And congratulations on the recent World Rallycross success um, with the, the Polo RX1E. Yeah, thanks very much, and thanks for having me back. Um, like I said, I'm I'm surprised that <laughs> anyone has wanted me back on again, but maybe maybe I'm the only one answering my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I've got lots of unread unread emails that are being sent and not answered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe all the other engineers are flat out still testing for Japan. Or <laughs> yeah. We, we've ran out of, of ideas and guests very quickly, uh, less than a year in. <laughs> it's that scene from the opening of Father Ted where the, you're the first we called. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, when you when you reached out and started to talk about the topic of uh, pre-event testing, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a really good one because, and like you said, uh, it's probably not spoke about that much, not covered that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it has evolved massively, uh, you know, from what it was, be, let's say, before my my time in the sport. Um, what we we started to get into the time where testing days was was controlled by the FIA, so you had to be, you know, you had to be really, really, I guess, uh, planning wise, you had to be quite strategic with how you use those days and how you saved some days for, you know. A, emergency testing that you needed to do because you discovered a problem mid-season um you know if you think about that and the days have gone reduced more and more and more um it's got interesting i guess the most recent stuff is you know since uh since toyota set up in finland with quite a strategic base there um Mm -hmm. where basically their their rollout for their cars is already on you know maybe you know, smooth gravel-wise, some of the best roads in the world, and then of course half half of the year they also have some snow there as well. So, it's quite strategic-wise, that was quite quite a good move. And you see, Hyundai have now nominated um, their test base in in Finland also. Mm. So, if you if you picture that now to and go back to you know the other extreme, which was the safari days, where the you know the team of mechanics and and drivers and uh, helicopters and everything would go there and they go for a month 
testing yeah. and they would you know you know basically try to find the the strongest car possible and they would go there with maybe five different types of top mounts and 20 different types of uh, dampers and you know all the tires in the world um, and toyota just, even had a workshop out in kenya didn't they at one point which yeah Oda didn't yeah. purchase actually uh, later yeah. on yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 so it has it has evolved a lot and i i, I think with toyota the the safari is really important to them so they put you know they became the benchmark for this rally and how to approach it um and we saw i think actually again we saw just recently where toyota were again the benchmark it looks like they did their homework um i saw some clever ideas like a small little handheld vacuum to clean out you know the air box i assume you know an air filter is quite light and cheap so you can you'll bring a new one of those but the air box can still be completely full so of this uh, very fine fish fish um so yeah saw some pictures of them vacuuming out their own air boxes which is yeah. quite clever and that's part of the preparation i think as well you know thinking outside the box and being more prepared than the other team all those things help you to first of all get to the finish on a rally like that but also give you the edge this is it so i suppose we'll start with it with the easy one then richard why do a pre-event test to begin with i mean you know it sounds like it's maybe an obvious one but it maybe there's there's more there's a bit more nuance to that you know yeah. considering you've got a lot of data from existing events why 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 not uh call it quits and go well we know we know what to expect from rally catalonia so why do we need would, to test from it i would break it up maybe into some maybe like some subcategories because you have Let's talk about it from not just a professional level, like we can also do it from a clubman level. Um, and like from the clubman level, you would do a test maybe for two different reasons. So like a pre-event test normally to you know clean off the rust and get back up to speed a little bit again with the the speed, the cornering, the feeling of the brakes. Uh, it's also a small rollout or shakedown from the car because it's had a rebuild or a reprep from the last event um you could also do one you know because it's a new car a new it's a new brand new car or it's a new new to the customer car um and there you know there's some very important reasons to do that is to have a sound understanding of the controls if it's a a, a new car to that driver um you know launch control handbrake etc they're you know some of the big time losses um you know if you stall on the start line you know by by five or ten seconds straight away you have to drive like a demon to get that pack quickly um and it's the same with you know stalling at a you know a, a bale chicane with the handbrake and things those two things alone they're the things they should be practicing um the clutches these days now they can take multiple launches you know they you don't need to you can do a test and you can then do your rally as long as the driver's not abusing the clutch too much you know it's not a it's not a it's not a big deal um and then from a pre-event test, let's say on a club level, if if it was me that was running the test, like like we did in ProDrive, for sure the more mileage the better, because the drivers they're not professional drivers; they're doing it as a hobby or they're doing it for the fun or you know they're doing it for whatever reason. But to get them up to speed, it's really all about the mileage, mileage, mileage. Um, and then while you're doing the mileage, you can explore some small setup changes. To help them get comfortable with the car make the car a little bit easier for them to drive um you build up a picture of what the driver is looking for how he can be fast um 
and then also you know the usual story of tires 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 um how many times do we hear on you know on a national rally or in someone rally that you know that someone's on the wrong tire and that's it can be not getting the weather right of course but it can also be just not understanding your tire you know that you go too aggressive with the tire and you you can't get enough temperature into it on the road section beforehand so you start off on the back foot and then the first two three kilometers of the stage is quite fast so you don't get any temperature into it um and then you're you know then the confidence is done so that i think i always lean on the the safer side of the you know of, of the tire choice especially on someone level because i would rather have a driver complaining to me that he lost you know 20 seconds in the last three kilometers because the tire went off but the reality is you know they don't they don't ever lose as much as they think um they just drive accordingly because the tire is overheated but they have gained from the very beginning of the stage all the way until you know maybe 80 85 90 percent of the stage so it's the for me that sounds like the right tire for the stage maybe you need to manage the pressures a bit better but sounds like at least it's the right tire um but yeah you know for sure anyone can get the weather wrong or depending on how many apps you've got open on all your iphones and your samsung phones uh, you know you have to take a bit of a gamble sometimes because but to have a good understanding of your tire is really really critical and i, sh I, I really emphasize that a lot you know it's so many times that you can be having a good rally or leading a rally and you can throw it all away and you make your life you make your life much harder than it needs to be um and it's it's stressful as well <laughs> the tire choice you know yeah. you know and if you don't have the information it's it's really you know it's difficult then you know it's it's just until you see the time at the end of the stage or if you're lucky enough to have some sector time or split times uh, that's even better but yeah if you leave on a tire that you think is wrong it's a it's a long time before the car comes back so that's like from the clubman level of course you can you know let's let's take it from this the simpler approach from an r5 car you know they come you're only allowed six homologated roll bars so whether it's two front and four rear like the polo or three and three like like other cars so let's let's say you have some roll bars on the truck you have some springs on the truck you can go one step up or one step down and you have your dampers um and and you just start to explore a little bit and get the driver make a change and get him to come back and report what the change was was it big or small for him you know and if you know from your calculations that you know putting the the next step roll bar on is a huge step in stiffness and there's no, no you know there's no overlap between the roll bar you took off and the one you put on um and the driver comes back quite happy then you know you're, you're already knowing that he's a let's say quite an aggressive driver that likes a, a stiff car and he he starts to respond to it so you already start to build up a picture of what your driver is looking for as well um yeah so the clubman level it's i don't say it's simpler but it has different targets you know and a lot of it is mileage a lot of it is understanding your tires number one and then and then your car number two um and but you know on clubman level they're only doing maybe four to six rallies a year and they need to yeah maximize the results that they have and want to have as much fun as possible during that time so that's also part of it too it doesn't you don't need to make it too stressful and have a 300 kilometer test planned out for him for the day <laughs> that's usually not in the budget either you know yeah sometimes they say we have a 50 
kilometers then you're lucky that you have 100 kilometers um and 50 kilometer tests you can't do a lot in, to be honest um you know by the time they warm up the car and come back and get your tire pressures up and checked and everything else you, you don't have a lot left then so you need mm -hmm. to be you need to be wise with what you're what you're testing and then it would come down to a little bit more what the rally that you're going to do and your test road Mm -hmm. And we'll probably get much deeper into that when when we look at the uh, testing on a on a professional level. And when you were with say, and back to, to stick with a kind of a customer uh, level and and kind of clubman, not necessarily clubman, but I mean, you were say working with ProDrive's customer uh, customer base. Um, what was typically the length of a mileage on a test that you would say do with um, the Subarus back in the day? If it was. Um... A lot of the Subarus were owner-owned, you mm -hmm. know, like like the R5 market is a little bit different, where they're the cars are team-owned and they rent them out for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And this, a lot of the Subarus are personally owned, but but you know the the Subarus were S10, S11 was a thousand kilometers warranty on all the components, and then because the S12 engine was a bit more aggressive, that was dropped, I think, to 750 for engine and turbo. Um, or engine at least, I don't I don't recall about the, whether the turbo was in there or not. So they were careful with their mileage, mm -hmm. um, and the rallies were big enough in those days. You know, they were easily two hundred and twenty kilometers. I think you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you did a proper day on Saturday and a proper day on Sunday. Yeah. So fifty to eighty kilometers, I would say, is you know about normal back then. It wasn't a lot, you know, for the driver to get up to speed. Um, it, it depended on the driver, too, I think, a lot of it. I guess, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, like, um, I remember maybe Kevin Lynch, for example, he was doing a lot of testing then, really a lot of testing. He was maybe one of the first ones when I was with ProDrive that you heard that were really hammering in the miles, you know, before events and stuff like that. They were just driving, driving. And it paid off because they were fast out of the box. And the others were left catching up, and a lot of it is that I think the the car is so capable, you can't get up to speed if you're only in the car, you know, four to six times a year. You can't get up to speed so quickly because no. those cars in particular, they were, they weren't easy to drive. They were, no. you know, ferocious torque, and they had a lot of systems. Uh, they weren't so easy to understand no. either because you had active differentials in that time, and you know, there were a lot of the work was being done for you, but that doesn't mean they were easy to understand and to drive um and predictable you know yeah. um but yeah it wasn't it wasn't a lot for us it was a very valuable system check because the cars were you know a little bit more fragile and needed a bit more maintenance um so we have got a really good data check you know beforehand and then you got some time between the test and and the rally uh to go through your data and make sure that there's no other issues you know did you find certain drivers are more adept at the whole testing thing than others in terms of technical feedback and, and the sort of steering the way that they'd want that particular test to, to go? Yeah, yeah, there's a huge, there's a huge difference with uh, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of Patrick Snares. <laughs> I did a test with Patrick in the in the mini, and uh, the only thing the only thing that mattered was this. <laughs> it, it, it was it faster or not? It doesn't for him, he was of an era, I think, that it didn't matter. He drove so many difficult cars, I think, mm. that it didn't matter how difficult the car was or the change that you made was. Was it faster or not? And if it was faster, we keep it. 
And if it was Thor, we, we don't keep it. Very it was, binary. <laughs> it was, in, in one way, it was a very straightforward test, but I was not prepared for that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would have wrote the, the test plan a bit differently, I think, if I, if I had known that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a huge difference with, with the feedback from the drivers. Um, there's a big difference with how quick they get up to speed as well, because there's a lot of good drivers out there, you know, that that get going on a Saturday evening or a Sunday, you know, and they're harming in the times because they have the mileage now and they have the confidence. But mm-hmm. by then, maybe the guys that are have done more pre-event testing or they're just a bit sharper out of the box because of who they are. Um, yeah, they've already pulled ahead and it, it becomes a, a game of risk. Then how much risk do you want to take to try to catch back the time that you lost in the morning? Yeah. So there is, yeah, there is a big, big difference with that, and for sure with the feedback as well. Some drivers are very sensitive to different things. Um, you know, some drivers have no feeling and don't care about how the steering feels. Mm-hmm. So the steering rack and the weight of the, the weight of the steering, and some drivers are extremely sensitive to it. And I always found that so fascinating the way it, you know, it completely flips from driver to driver and almost era to era as well. Yeah. It's a trick. Steering, steering, and steering weight is is an interesting one because, you know, you can say as an engineer, oh, there's no, there's no time in it. You can, you can, you know, there's there's no time in it, and we can test five different things. And but the thing with the rally driver is, yeah, you could bring five different racks with five different feelings and five different pumps as well, and you could build all these different systems. And yeah, you could prove that there's no time in it. But by then, the the rally driver has adapted anyway. Like we saw, and maybe we said it before, but like we saw in testing, you know, one spare and two spare, we often put two spares in at the end of the day just to remind them how it feels when the time was identical because they knew the roads so well. They just, after the first corner, they already adopted to the weight distribution and the inertia and, and they just made up for it. And you can say the same about the steering and they get, it depends on the driver, you know, how he's going into the corner. So you're, your driver that's a little bit more sideways, he's not relying on the, the steering. Mm-hmm. He's he's relying on lateral grip and feeling and throttle and and tires. Um and the other drivers, let's say the more modern style is to, you know, you're doing a lot more on the front axle. And their steering feel, of course, becomes more more important than because they get they get everything back from it. You know. Um but yeah that's that's a whole yeah, steering is a whole different topic again <laughs> <laughs> a big a big topic um but yeah i suppose there's probably more to talk about on the clubman level um but you kind of get the idea you know you 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 need to be you don't have that much mileage you need to be smart with the mileage that you have it's good to have a small test plan in in place um it all depends on your driver and how much feedback he has and how quickly he can remember what the car feels like from before. Yeah. And then if we switch over then to the professional level, um, you can probably subcategorize that again into two different things then. So development testing and pre-event testing. Um, which one do you want to go first, Gillian? Uh I suppose you may as well start with the development testing as it, as it seems like yeah, the, so, the most uh, yeah, the, logical choice. Yeah, it, it, it is, I think, in, in some ways then. So like this will start so back at the factory with your, your build spec for your car and you go to either the departments come to you or you go to the departments and say, you know, what's, what's new? What are we running? 
and you start to build up an understanding of parts are going to be on the car and what they're looking for you know is it performance or is it mileage you know um and if it's mileage you need to keep you know the one part on the car the whole time you know and try to get as much mileage as possible on that particular one um if it's performance you know you need to have some spares in case you break whatever it is um and put another one on because you want to you want to answer the question and evaluate the performance level um Engine wise, it's it's always good to talk to the engine department because you know there, if you have an engine guy on your test, he's doing his own thing, not necessarily always communicating what he's doing, but maybe he is you know playing around with ignition and adding horsepower, and you all of a sudden your change, your small change that you did with your damper clicks or your spring starts to look, ooh, I just found uh, you know a zero point <laughs> one zero point two seconds. Of Hey there that's interesting and maybe he's just maybe he's just done it with the engine so uh, yeah communication is, is good there um and it also gives them a heads up you know if if they have got some changes you need to keep that in mind and they want to try something you know towards the end of the day towards the end of the maybe the, the week that you're testing because you know there's some risk involved with it and you don't want to blow an engine on the first on the first day you might as well do it on the last run of the last day but yeah just to keep in touch with them for what they're doing and you know try to squeeze them in as well you know if you're doing a endurance run or a mileage run on tires and you're not doing any changes then that's the perfect time for them to try something that they want to do um yeah we spoke about then you know is it performance or is it uh yeah do you need mileage on the parts is it for durability and durability wise yeah maybe the part already has come from a previous test so it's good to know the mileage already on it mm-hmm. um you'll have to find that information out anyway for your report afterwards so you it's good to have all that information first of all um and either what i found if you had the time what's really good is to go to the designer or or, or go to the project leader and try to get an overview and not just have have a list and smash all these parts on the car but to have an understanding of what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve, because for sure that will grow into more questions on how to do the test. Um, then, you know, the, the test road is, of course, important when it comes to durability as well. If you're in a professional team in the World Championship, they will already have some of their favorite roads you know fujian coast in france uh, is, is really rough and everyone goes there for durability with their new cars at the beginning at least um and it's quite rough you know it's more than most stages but it also depends on the driver that you take there because you know i know when when they took ogier there he didn't break so much because he was driving around the rocks mm-hmm. uh, and then and then they took some yeah. other drivers and they they broke much more things so they were much better development drivers because they're sometimes you want to break things at least early in the early in the development because you want to yeah. know where the weak points are and find the limits yeah there's that old old saying that you put the stickers on the door and then you know you then everything breaks and you find out all the problems but um yeah you try to you try to find as much out as you can you know beforehand and you need a you need an aggressive driver for that sometimes too. Professionally um, old school in approach as well, you know, in in terms of quite a throwback. The the old methods are still the best way. Yeah, uh, there's you can simulate all you all you want, you know. But in the end, uh, you and and 
like we do look the r5 car was a good example we we tested it a, a lot in some really rough conditions i mean we had enough budget to take it to mexico after the rally so that the stages were already you know cut up and rough and and we broke a lot of stuff over there but when we sold the car and gave it to the customers they found some new things that we never did you know and i don't know if it was from cutting corners more or bigger rocks or but you know there was definitely some new problems that we never ever came across and you know the when you say to customers and we you know i haven't seen this before they always throw their eyes up to heaven saying yeah yeah i've heard that one before but at least in the in the in the in the polo r5 case it was it was a genuine one but but i know what they were saying <laughs> from from other teams um but yeah you need to do the mileage you know that's where you that's where you find find it all out um and you know exhaust temperature for example can influence so many other things uh, what happens when a puncture break you know when you get a puncture you know that's a mm-hmm. you, you don't test for that normally but but you should mm-hmm. you know because what happens then does does your differential collapse then because it has you know it doesn't have enough preload or does it overheat because it's too much slipping or you know should you warn that you should you warn the team you know if you've had a puncture that you really need to watch out on your gearbox temperature those kind of things you can think beyond or outside the box of what you would normally do so yeah like you say the old the old-fashioned way is the best mileage 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 um and then performance wise with development yeah this is a a big topic i guess um here your time is really valuable um you have your let's say you have a four-day test plant it's 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 really expensive you know to go there it doesn't matter which which country or or wherever but you but you need if it's a performance test you need your engineers on site and you need the answers quickly for a direction because you may have you can write a test plan but if you discover something interesting with you know a, a new subframe or a new geometry or then you're better to pause your test plan and start to you know go a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole there um but with that you you don't have you know you can't wait for the evening to go through the data yourself and find the answers so you need performance engineers there to try to help you to get the answer quickly to make the next step you know with an educated guess of what what could what else could be interesting with it um so that's yeah from a performance test point of view that's that's one of the things where it changes a lot you know on the on the development test your it's mileage and documentation that's really that's that's a lot of the job and of course you know as the car gets faster and it gets later in its life the car is running you know for two three days without without any problems and stopping then you start to automatically go the driver will lead you there very quickly whether you want to go there or not because he'll start to want to change the car yeah so when you go to the the this four-day test, the big test, performance test. What sort of kind of manpower and, and equipment can can be expected to be to to land on uh, to the the given location, country, stage, etc. Uh, you know, in terms of personnel and and support equipment and vehicles. What what how big an operation is that for for you a need, for you a need big four team? Four to five good. You need four to five good mechanics. You know, and really good mechanics. And testing is you know a little bit different to 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 rallies rallies you know they have a couple of services a day and otherwise they're you know there's there's less to do 
Um, but in testing, you know, if you're imagine now, if you're doing a differential testing with, with any of the what previous three generations for their mechanical front and rear differential, um, you know, it's gearbox out, diff out, you know, so that's, and if you're doing that, you're, you're doing, you know, you can be doing five, six, seven, eight times a day, dropping subframe, dropping the gearbox. If you have two gearboxes on a professional level, you should, and you'll be rotating and swapping them back in and out. Um, but some gearboxes, it's faster to change the one that's in, you know, to, to open, leave the gearbox in the car and open it from the side and, and drain the oil and put your diff in, in and out from there. Um, so yeah, mechanics wise, you need four to five good guys. You need a good engine guy. You need a good transmission guy. You need a good damper guy. If you're rebuilding dampers or changing dampers there yourself, um, if you're doing it internally as a company, or if you're doing it with a, uh, a technical partner, you know, if you're doing it with a technical partner, they'll often come with their own support truck there. Um, and that's, yeah, that's kind of takes care of itself. Then you need, you know, with your truckies, at least one of them will be a good, a good tire guy. Um, and you need to be, if you're trying to document, you know, tire wear or problems on the tire or, or pressures as well. If you're exploring with the pressures, then you need you need a good guy on that because you don't have the time to do all of this yourself. If you want to run an efficient test, you're probably looking at 10 to 12 runs a day. 12 would be good, I would say. You know, if you're starting at eight, the road is closed then. Um, if it's a tarmac road, you know, the road can be busy. It's a little bit less efficient. So you might be looking at maybe only nine runs a day. Um, it depends then if you want to do long runs, you know, because of tires or because of temperatures, um, you'll you'll lose some more, basically more runs there as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little bit a little bit more intense, I would say. Um, and planning is very important because as soon as the car is gone, then you need to be organizing the next change at least get the guys in order so okay it's you know now we're going to be that that differential needs to come out so let's prepare the other gearbox again but if the wrong ramp is in there now you need to change it um same for suspension you know you need to prepare all the guys it doesn't mean that you're you know you could cancel that change because you found something interesting and you want to evolve from the last uh, the last one that you did but at least you start to prepare and then get your guys in the routine of you know putting the same amount of fuel in every time to keep all the consistencies same with the tires you know if you're well i don't know with, with performance testing we were probably rotating maybe three sets of tires so that you know uh, if you don't rotate your tires then your tire wear is going down and then you put a new set of tires on and it it, it fucks all your results again because you almost need to do a base run because the tire is too good mm -hmm. so you're better to wear down you know, three, four sets of tires slowly, and your changes are far more, far more effective than because you're, you know, if you consider your sets A, B, C, and D, then you can, you can compare run, run one, two, three, and four because tires A, B, and C, and D had all the same mileage at the time, and when you get into the rotation, then they've cooled down a little bit, um, so it's always the same, you know. Um, it with that it depends on your driver as well because sometimes you know if you get a puncture and you have to put a new tire on or you have to replace it your 
if you have a driver that's able to tell you, yeah, you know, that change is better, but it could be because we have a new front left on that, you know, on that corner because of the puncture or whatever. So you you can't think of everything all the all the time yourself either. So you need help from the driver sometimes too on that on that um, point of view. Performance is probably the it's one of the more interesting jobs. You know, the the, the rally engineer. It's nice to be on rallies and to compete, but if you have a big appetite for learning, it's the best fun is on the test, you know, because that's where you can do some crazy stuff. And, you know, um, that's where the learning really, you shouldn't be really be learning on the rally, you know, because then you're, it means that you've crashed and you're testing, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't really be doing any, uh, any of that on the rally. If you're well prepared and, you know, you've got a good car and your championship is going well, then you should be, you should be doing all of that. Um, is it yeah, so that's probably say, the, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, is it fair to say that on performance testing, you're more likely to get a, for want of a better word, a eureka moment in terms of you know pursuing a, a development angle that just come to light? Presumably, that's when you're more likely to get something that just clicks, or at least some sort of potential exploratory avenue. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I mean by that. You 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 stumble across something, and you 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 want to pause the test plan for a little bit and do okay, we're going to do two or three runs here now and we're going to explore this a little bit more. And you can be wrong, but you can understand why you're wrong maybe later and go mm -hmm. back on, get back on your test plan again. But if you're right, it's, it's worth remembering and, and documenting. And, you know, mm -hmm. when you have more time to look at the data of why that was interesting or why that was better, you can, you can, you can learn from it, you know, and, you, and, and not forget it for, for another time. Um, but yeah, you got, I think that with those things, the thing with development testing, someone said to me once that, you know, the, the car, the design of the car, once it's done, it's not that the speed is fixed on the car, but you can only find so much afterwards with pre-event testing. You know, with setup on a rally car, maybe you'll find 0 0.5 second decay. And I think there's, I think there's a lot of in, you know, after a few more years on, under my belt, I think there's a lot of truth in that, I think. So in a div like we found out with the, the RX1E, the Polo, the, the first run with a driver that has, you know, a professional driver that you trust and has good feedback, the first run is so important. How they come back. And you know you've you basically, you kind of get a feeling if you've got a winner or not. Um, there's really a lot of truth in it. You know, you can, the rest of it set up and... And that kind of thing, you know, pre and test and stuff, that's optimizing what you have, understanding what you have and optimizing what you have. Um, but at least during the development process, you have you have an opportunity to change that, whether it's, you know, suspension geometry or or weight distribution or, you know, or whatever, you know, but your your damper clicks, your roll bars and your right height and your your springs. This is more understanding and more you know, extracting the most you can out of your car for your for your event or for your rally. But it's definitely where it's the most interesting, you know. And if you've got a, a team that's running well and well ahead, then it starts to get really interesting because they're, you know, they're not blocked by problems because the car is running and you, you get more mileage on the test and you're freer to think about 
you know you're not stressed yeah. about fixing this problem or that problem you're freer to think about the next stage you know, yeah the yeah. road as it were yeah exactly you know we have a problem with this how could we solve it you know and then some guys come up you know back at the factory with some wacky ideas and you try it you know that's when it starts to be really cool really interesting I was just about to say, can I, I can imagine from an engineer's point of view, that must be manna from heaven, that ability to have the freedom to do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, you, you can't just, you can't, every day can't be like that, of course, but, but you know, you, preparation back at the factory with, 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 with the, if it's a component or a part or whatever, you know, that's, that's important. Um, if you have the time, it's always better to trial fit the part, first of all, because, you know, if it's uh, I don't know, you know, a new prop shaft, for example, um, and it's a bit lighter or whatever, and if you haven't trial fitted it and you go and drop the exhaust, the mechanics already a bit annoyed at you because everything is stinking hot, and then you offer up the new prop shaft and it doesn't fit, uh, yeah, you won't be so popular. <laughs> so you know, there, that I think those kind of things come with with experience as well you know there with organizing your days back at the factory to try and yeah minimize your time down yeah mm-hmm. you know your downtime on the on the test um and maximize your runs how long does it take to come up with the, the test plan if, you, if you're if you're back at the factory or whatever it is and you say right this is the performance test that's coming up our goal is a b and c you sit down and to develop your your test plan what, yeah, what, what might... sort of work goes into that then there, there might be some things already on the list from, you know, a previous year or a previous plan, you know, okay, uh, Mexico altitude could be a problem, you know, you know it from the previous year, but you're not going to go starting testing straight away directly after Mexico. But, you know, you know, we need to do, a, we need to find somewhere in Europe and we need to test in high altitude conditions because we had cooling problem or whatever. Um, and you know, so you those those kind of things that, that they might be the main reason that you're going there. Um, that's the main goal then. But then you you have a whole load of other stuff that you need. Like I said, you need mileage on, or you, it could be an interesting place to try this or try that or whichever. Um, so some of the things on the list will automatically be there with a couple of months, and then the other stuff can come, you know, weeks or months in advance. The tests were development tests were probably depends on your on, I don't know what the mileage is now that they're allowed. Um, but you know, you could do yeah, easily between one and two a month, you know, um, with some breaks in between. So if you're doing two a month, you know, it's it's a bit hectic. You've only two weeks to prepare from one to the other. If it's if you've only one test car, which often is the case because you want the most mileage on the components, um, then yeah. It's it's a case of reprepping the car. Maybe it has a lot of damage, you know, especially test gravel test cars. They get beaten up pretty hard. And at one point you have to pause and stop and, you know, get a new body shell or try to repair the body shell you have. Um, so you need to try and squeeze that into your calendar as well then. And then depending on how organized all your departments are, they usually come to you with the information. So they already have the information from the project leader. You know, this part needs to be designed. You need to order it and it needs to be manufactured ASAP. Um, and then the designer will come to you and say, okay, you know, the trucks leave on Tuesday and Monday we get a part. And and then you say, okay, what part is it? And then you might realize, yeah, okay, it's worth 
keeping the car from you know late keeping the car don't load the car yet we'll do a trial fitment of this part rather than losing downtime on the test mm-hmm. um it really it, i think how organized all the departments are and how your systems are in place can help you a lot or else you have to do all the work and go around to the departments to find out the information um you'll have yeah or your project leader will also tell you you know what what's happening and what you need to do and how you need to test it or what what you're looking for from a component you know with with the testing um so then that's probably the let's say development testing and from a performance point of view pre-event testing that's quite nice because you're there with your 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 rally driver from your that you're always working with so you already know him quite well and you should have a good understanding of your rallies by then mm-hmm. so you know you know your kilometers for the loop and you know how many tires you have for the rally so your tire plan or has already begun well before the rally and this you should be discussing with your driver you know and you you might have some experience from the past or he might have some experience to say you know that particular stage is back in now it's been out for five years it's really rough or it's really hard on tires or you know so there's always or maybe none of you have the information but you can find out you know Mm -hmm. from old videos or something that it is a it is a nightmare on tires so that can help to build you a picture and then you already know you know where you might need to carry six tires Mm -hmm. or or maybe it's just you know there's no reason to carry six and then your test should be always five tires um so it kind of kind of start with that and then your test road of course is crucial um uh, how many days you have if it's gravel testing your position in the championship if you're leading in the championship and you have to sweep the road for a full day or for a full morning that that's really difficult for your testing because you know within two or three runs the road is already quite clean so you know like Ogier was you know quite had a quite difficult year in 2015 where he was leading for two days opening the road for two days and that meant then that his first runs on the test roads that he had became so so important because you know two-thirds of his rally was made up with like leading the road you know having this Mm -hmm. road position and sunday was often okay for him sunday seemed to be still as long as he was within a, a fighting grasp uh, Saturday evening, somehow he came out all guns blazing Sunday morning and sometimes was still able to do the job. But normally that's not the case and it's quite difficult to do. Um, so yeah, you're for gravel. And it's, it, it's the same for tarmac actually as well, because you know, for development testing, I would tell the driver, you know, don't, don't cut the road at all because you want consistency and if you start cutting the corners then you bring out gravel and then you know every time you pass through it's a slightly different corner adding another variable i suppose yeah but but the reality of that is unless you're first on the road you you're going to be cutting the corners and the road is going to be dirty and polluted so it's a little bit of a mix and match you know you can what i what i used to do was you know do the first first half of the morning consistent no cuts and then the second half to make it a bit more more realistic for the rally and to start to start to cut the corners and you have to keep an eye on your rally video there because your driver will tell you i'm oh yeah i'm not cutting the corners at all but straight in 
Yeah, it's just in their nature. They can't. They have to fight. They have to fight so hard. To They're drawn to it. Drawn into it. Sounds like you yeah, have to play like, the role of benevolent, benevolent school teacher half the time. Yeah, yeah. baby, baby, babysitter. I call it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, but those things, you know, you can get caught up on your on your data, staring at data all day, and your performance engineer can also do that. But they should have a quick look at the the onboard video every now and again because you might find all your answers to all your problems on the video <laughs> because you can't see gravel you know you can't see a polluted road on the <coughs> on the data you just see tire slip or you know big yaw angle or whatever um so yeah it's it's good to good to keep an eye on your onboard video too but yeah going back to the pre-event test then so have a good understanding of your tires and your tire wear understand your rally by that i mean your kilometers and your loops um Maybe you have some information from the past, which, you know, soft versus hard or cross or whatever. Um, maybe you've done something, maybe your driver has done something, or maybe maybe you got beaten by someone the previous year on a on a cross tire choice that you need to you need to be able to to drive now. You know, your driver may have never driven cross tires before and it's not so easy. They need to remember where the soft is on the front left or the front right or whatever. Um so they need to get used to that as well and it can give quite a strange feeling on the car with braking and stuff so um yeah and then you know five tires or six is a good one to also to, to to cover you know if you have a good understanding of your rally and you know you know that it's going to be really rough or you know that everyone is going to be taking uh, six tires because you know you won't survive without it then yeah that two tires need to be in the boot from the beginning mm-hmm. there's no point you know, there's no point in just putting it in at the very end because you've set up your car with five and, you know, for sure it feels a little bit different when you put the, the sixth one in, you know. On the subject of tyres and a slight tangent, how much of a recent, or maybe a headache might be a strong one, but with the recent switch from Michelin to Pirelli in the World Rally Championship, how much of a of a headache or, or a bit of a... an irritation would that have been for, for an engineer doing a test, given that all your data over the last... You know, many years would have been based on going to a location and using your Michelins, yeah. uh, or would or would it would it pose much of a headache at all? Or do you say, well, look, the the the, the tire will be up to a similar standard, and and we can expect very similar results from it. But but also, will will the carcass temperature and stuff be be very different, and will it, will it wear differently despite what the manufacturer says and what they've laid out? Or am I just chasing a dead end there? But I imagine you would have a no, lot of data yeah, from. Yeah, you know, you're right. It's it's a. But I wouldn't say it's a. I wouldn't say it's a pain in the ass. Um, because you know, if you're running, for example, Michelin's for four years, by then everyone knows the tire well. You know, mm-hmm. either either they've done their homework or they found out the hard way. But they all know. You know, they all know how the tire works. They know the tire pressure to start with on a short stage or a long stage. They know, and the drivers have a really good feeling of. You know the punct the puncture um, puncture risk with the tire, how how protective the sidewall is, what they can do, how much abuse the tire can take. Um, so it's not that it gets boring, but everyone has kind of come to the same answers. So when a new tire comes, at least I would look at it as an opportunity. Um, to, you know to to be to get to know the tire better than the next guy. And yeah, I think that's the way the engineer should be looking at it. The, the driver might complain or, or whatever, but you know, in the end, 
everyone has the same tires, so you should look at it as as an opportunity to try to learn as much as you can and put like put some things in the pocket basically for your races. That's that's a lot what your prevent test is is doing. You know, mm-hmm. if you're doing it right, you're you're if you understand your rally well beforehand and things, you're basically putting some things in the pocket that you can use later. Um, so that it's no stress and no surprises, you know. You know if you're running two tires that you need to change, you know, two spares, you need to change a setup. But maybe maybe that if maybe the car loses a lot of grip then, so maybe it's, you know, five tires in the morning is the best choice, and the driver needs to accept that he only has one spare, so he needs to drive accordingly because he's not willing to take the, the you know the extra weight penalty and the extra uh, inertia on the rear um because of the the nature of the road in the in the first loop where there's more more cleaning involved so but then in the second pass you know it's automatically better grip so the tire wear goes up and it's also automatically more rocks exposed so the puncture risk has gone up so then it's you know then it should be six in the afternoon um but you need to drill that into the driver so that he, you know, doesn't start coming up with any wacky ideas on on the rally because that's where it, that's where you go wrong. That, you know, that's, <laughs> I guess that's that, where that, the that's unique. That's, sorry, yeah, that's where the, the babysitter has to come back and you have to try to negotiate. You know, I mean, there, there's always a good reason for changing the plan sometimes, but sometimes there is some very bad reasons. You like because someone else has gone just because someone else has gone with five doesn't mean you should you know you've done your pre-event test you know that there's a puncture risk so you need to stick to your plan and if you're wrong you're wrong okay then you know for next year um but yeah that's where emotion comes in and overrules all the work that you've done (laughs) and that's that can become a challenging too um but yeah and then with setup like i say you to have a good understanding you know that they'll never come back and say or sometimes they'll come back and say it's undrivable but you know it's probably not undrivable you just need to get to work and you're a bit you know you're a bit too far away you're too stiff or whatever you're too soft and it's rolling too much um and then you need to make a big step at the very beginning you know so uh, if they come back and say it's undrivable it's probably too stiff and they can't generate any grip so yeah you need to make a you know it's not just a case of a a damper click then you need to maybe do a quite a big step on the car whether it's right height or springs and roll bars or whatever um and but i think if you know the rallies and know your car well you'll be you'll be there thereabouts with your first guess for your first pass setup let's say for your morning loop um that that helps a lot because then you can really concentrate on the smaller details if you're spending the morning or the morning and the afternoon still trying to find your setup and your balance and you haven't done any tire testing that's that's the problem then because yeah you you're completely on the back foot and you can hear you can really hear this i think with some you know you 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 can see it in the in the driver comments at the end of the stages you know the drivers that haven't had a pre-event test mm-hmm. they're you know they're they're doing multiple runs on shakedown and they're still off the pace and you know it's you know friday is going to be a bit hairy if you get through it you know because they're they're already frustrated they don't have the mileage that the other guys have they can't make it up on a on a shakedown um and shakedown pace is you shouldn't underestimate it shakedown pace becomes 
you know, they're still drivers and they still want to beat each other. So the pace becomes quite high sometimes. So. Mm. That's why sometimes there's some stupid accidents and stuff on the shakedown and it's just literally just a shakedown, yeah. <laughs> but it's not, you know. Um, and then, you know, you get, you get the comments on Friday, the shakedown's okay because the shakedown road matches the test road, but then the test road is wrong for the rally. You know, that's, that's where you get the Friday comments where, where they feel they've, you know, they've gone the wrong way with the setup. And is it not representative of the rally? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's hard to say, you know, you hear those comments a lot and it's hard to say from the outside um, what it could be, but you know, maybe your, maybe your rally car has a small window and you do need to, you, you do need to work hard to get it in the window. If you have, if, if the car has a bigger window for sure, it, it helps much, much more. Um, but it can be that it can be that you just went the wrong way. You know, that the, the gravel road that you were testing on was evolving and you just kept listening to your driver and you kept going stiffer and stiffer because the grip was going up on the road. And that's fine because your, your lap times or your stage times on your tests are getting better. Everyone feels great, but that's not pre-event testing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's setting a time on a test road. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not your job, you know, and that's not the, that's not the rally driver's job either. Um, so that's, that's where it can go. That's where it can go wrong a lot. And you, that one you can hear. You can hear that comment or you can read between the lines sometimes uh, in the stage comments and you can, you can see that, you know, that's maybe what happened there. Mm-hmm. The, old, the old reliable of, uh, of no confidence in the front or rear or whatever it is. The, yeah. the <laughs> in, insert end of care where applicable. Um, yeah, that can be, yeah, that's, that's, that's balance for sure. Mm-hmm. That's what they talk about balance with the car, you know, that the, and then then for sure if they have the wrong balance understeer they don't like it but it's not as slow as they think and some corners you know as we're finding out regularly in rally cross uh, some corners are faster if you drive them with understeer style believe it or not um but then but of course if you have a 40 kilometer corsica stage with understeer you're dead you know you come to kilometer 22 or 25 and your fronts are overheated God. and yeah yeah and then then they're overdriving for the last one and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse so you know that's that's a different story about about balance there balance and you know dialing out understeer is much more important on a rally like that um but yeah when they look for balance it's really important to them because it matches their driving style and if they can't it's the way that they you know if you Picture Yari Mati, for example, is the way that he aggressively throws the car into the corner. And balance for him is crucial. It's really, really crucial. But of course, throughout a full 20 kilometer stage, you know, in, in the middle of Wales in a forest, then they might use, you might go from one forest to another. And maybe the type of gravel or road uh, changes. You know, it goes from hard base to soft base, and your balance will change then because your grip has changed on the road. And if your car is has a small window, then you might be okay on the first half, but you're out the window on the second half. Then, mm-hmm. um, so it it depends on your driver what he likes when you when they talk about this this word about balance. But I I really do sympathize with them if they don't have what they're looking for because it means they have to overdrive, and they're out of their comfort zone. Then there's already risk coming from overdriving because they have to be 
you know, in your understeer situation, they have to be more aggressive with the rear, but there's, you know, risk comes with that, especially the more narrow the stage. Um, and that's, you know, that's how accidents can also happen. So it, they're, they're worrying further along like, the road as well. Yeah, but it's, it's you know, as we kind of talk about it, you also, you know, you can realize how important the pre-event test is, you know, it's so, so critical. Um, you know, when you're your junior drivers that are trying to come up, and the, in the time that I was with Volkswagen, you know, we, uh, the, uh, Andreas had only one day test, and, you know, the, the two main drivers had a, had a two day test each. So, you know, you're really trying to maximize as much as you can in that day. Um, and that's, you know, that's where the engineer is kind of coming in to his own to prepare the test and prepare each change as it goes along so that the mechanics are as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. So that the downtime, because that last extra run or two that you can get in the day is so important then if he only has one day. Yeah. It sounds like it's very easy to fripper away a uh, a test session if you're not on the ball from an engineer's point of view. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, you know, it, it, if it's, and it, you know, you get annoyed because if it's running well and you get a problem, you know, it completely fucks your day. That, mm-hmm. You know, and if you've planned to do some really important things in the evening with two spares or whatever and you don't get to it, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, okay, so then you haven't done your two, your two spares thing. You need to do it on a shakedown. But they don't want to do it in shakedown. They want to set a fast time because they want to be. They want to go into you know Friday night stages with a good feeling and everything compounds. Yeah, because there's. I mean, there's you know there's balls on the table and they, there's a bit of bravado with the with the shakedown there as well. So and there's, there's a lot times going. There's times going on the board. There's always going to be. Yeah, there's, there's times yeah. being posted. Yeah. yeah, you know, your 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 world champions can sit back and look at it. They know their speed. And they can look at that time and they can say, that's a good time or that's, that's a lot of risk, you know, and they can be comfortable with their time and say, yeah, I hope he goes again or, you know, because, you know, that's, <clears throat> that's, that's too much for me, you know. Um, but, the, but if you don't, you know, if you don't have that experience, I say world champions, but you know what I mean? Like guys with, guys with a lot of experience, they, they have a really good feeling for what's the right time on that stage you know and if someone takes four seconds out of you on a two minute 40 stage then yeah did i miss something in the notes here or <laughs> you know or or is that a lot of risk or is it a different tire or something else you know there's a driver springs to mind with quick shakedowns but i won't actually mention them by name um go just, on no i know i won't i won't <laughs> i I'm I'm a coward. Um, just just in case. Just in case, you need to invite him on next week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is, is Louis Clement still coming on the podcast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 an interesting one though. The the prevent testing. Um, your your it's so much to do with the tires then. You know, it, and it takes drivers a while to to appreciate that. I think, you know, they come and they want to change the setup completely, or they think they have a huge job to. You know, we need to try every spring and every roll bar. You know, and and you don't. You know, you don't. You, if you if you have good experience with the car, you you shortcut all of that stuff. If you don't have good experience with the car, you need to 
you know, from the experience that you have, you need to guesstimate a good setup uh, and have planned some options up and down accordingly. If you have balance, but you're too stiff, that's a good thing because you can keep the balance. You know, some people use um, roll stiffness calculators to, to, to help with this. And, and they, re, they work really well. If it's, if it's an accurate roll stiffness calculator, it works really well. Um, if you've got a driver that's very sensitive on balance, then yeah, you, you can work. It's really, really good to work with one. Um, but if you have imbalance, that's a different thing. You might as well quickly try to find that balance because otherwise that driver will be complaining the whole day. And he also can't really do his job because he can't drive how he wants. And then you'll be suffering on your inconsistency. So your times will be up and down and you don't learn anything. You can probably do a whole, whole podcast on balance. <laughs> <laughs> Next season. Next season, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. How, how, do you have to find you spend much time trying to, I suppose, look, the times will show what the times will show, but an, an initial run to convince the driver saying, look, look this, this is the way and, and they, they've got a slight you know where this is where feel comes into it but as you say feel doesn't necessarily indicate time trying to mm. not bully them into because saying this is the direction yeah. we want to take but i presume you have to do quite a bit of convincing before putting them in the car at times really depending on the depends. driver i guess yeah it really does depend on the driver and the personality yeah um you'd probably you have to do it more i'd say on average with younger drivers um and if they if you have an older engineer and a younger driver, then I think they kind of automatically, you know, there's a bit of faith and trust there. Um, and that's, that makes life easier for the younger driver. You know, if the, if the engineer has a lot of experience, you say, you know, this setup is not, not, you won't be far away with this. Let's do a few runs. Let's find our balance and then we'll start on our tires. And, but, but I think you can probably prepare all that stuff one week beforehand. You can talk to him already. And you say, here's the rally itinerary. It's just been issued. Here's my tire plan. This is what I think based on my experience. And then, you know, you can go for over and back accordingly. And he, you know, you might have missed something. Like he can say, ah, oh, I don't want to carry uh, two spares on any of the Saturday loop because there's too much altitude. You know, I'll suffer going uphill and suffer going downhill. And there's a val that's a valid point then. So then... You need to look accordingly, you know, to try to make that work with five. Um, but when it comes, then if you've got a, let's say, a more experienced uh, driver, could be a difficult driver, that's a bit more difficult then because he's maybe he's very headstrong, you know, he's got his own ideas and to try and keep them on track, it can be more challenging for sure. Um, either they want to do their own things with the setup, which is fine but you know you need to have it planned you need to it needs to fit in with the test and if you know what this is what he kind of is then you might do you might do eight plan eight runs yourself and leave three free for him to go to go and try something you know but then you need to quickly get back on track again um and it's i think it's the same with the tires you just you need to be on the same wavelength with the tires it's that that's the first thing i think and the rest the rest will follow but you know, if you get them thinking about the tires early on, then you know they they're always when they talk about setup, they're talking about setup in relation to tires, not just feeling, not just anything else. And that's I think that's the maybe the best advice is you know because in the end it's 
the thing that matters the most. You know, if you're on the wrong tire, you're fucked. If you're overheating the tire, you're fucked. <laughs> if you've got no thread left, you're fucked. So <laughs> I think we just found our know, new our new merch t-shirt. There, there we are. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new black yeah. round for Yeah. So you know, it's and it changes it changes the way you you will see with you know with a, a younger driver that starts to, to to change when you see them get it when they understand it, and they have to they have to learn the hard way. You know. They're, they're, they're fast in the first two stages and they've killed their four softs and they've nothing left for for the last two stages then. You know, they, they have to sometimes learn the hard way and then, you know, their next approach to the next breathing test is much better. Sometimes it has to just be like that. You know, they don't just always listen to you <laughs> like, like our children. <laughs> they have to find out for themselves. And uh, yeah, but sometimes it's better they find out for themselves because they don't forget it. Yeah. I don't remember everything that everyone told me, but you know, if you've made some mistakes, for sure you remember them a bit more. So certainly yeah. drives it home. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, pre-event testing. Uh, there's, I don't know. We we've covered a lot, I guess. That's scattered over and back. In terms um, of like locations, you know, mm-hmm. is there is there you know is there any particular event stood out for you? Kind of going like this. This place will be particularly challenging. On a pre, uh, you know, as an event, and there, therefore, the pre-event test would have to take on a, another kind of mindset or level in terms of, or even replicating the event mm-hmm. on the pre-event test, like finding the test road that can yeah. that can effectively be the test yeah. road. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like your your local drivers, like you know where they're from, they will always advise you on the best roads in their country. Mm-hmm. You know. You can imagine Yadi Mati in, in Finland, pre-event test, you know, he he has all the best roads and booked them well in advance. And so, you know, there, there's that, that helps you a lot. The other, let's say the other example I could give then, so when Rally Portugal went from, this, from the south up back up to the north, um, mm-hmm. you know, none of the drivers have ever driven in the north at that time. So what we did uh I, I did actually uh, we we went i went to look for three days to look at the rally first of all all the, the new stages so drove all the stages um with our test coordinator and then we went to drive like 20 or 22 test roads and we tried we tried to classify them you know with regards with speed hard base or soft base, you know, uh, rocky or puncture risk or whichever. Um, and then looking at the stages and looking at the test roads, you try to come up with a, either a matrix, if there was too many to, to try to figure out, or you already had a good, you know, from what you saw, you had a good idea. Okay, these six roads are pretty realistic for the rally, and you can forget about all the others because there's something wrong with every one of them. You know, or you might find the best test road in the world, but you can't get the trucks up there. You know, the trucks are too far away, and then that makes your tests not very efficient because you're losing time commuting over and back. Um, that must be so. Yeah, it's good to, good to do your yeah, good to do your homework. I think, it, like Volkswagen, I guess with with this, you know, we were new to rally. You know, there was people with rally experience, but a lot of people without a lot of WRC WRC experience. Whereas you can imagine at M Sport, you know, they 
probably had quite a few people that remember the the rally in Portugal and in, in, mm-hmm. in the north. Um, so that could also have a big influence. They might already remember some of the best test roads from before, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the the it's the, it's the best example to talk about that question. I think because that rally had a reputation in the south for being a car breaker because it had a lot of bedrock. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of Very steering hard. rack issues, a lot of drive shaft issues, bolts coming loose, subframes coming loose. You know, it was really aggressive on the on the car. But the north, you know, from from escort Cosworth days, I guess, you know, this also was quite a famous rally in the north, a different characteristic. And the rally that we went to actually the rally that they made was very very different to the old they used some of the stages i think saturday loop was some of the old stages but otherwise a lot of the stuff was you know using access roads for um wind turbine farms um and then you had the you know the fafe fafe rally you had those stages on the sunday which were completely different to saturday and and friday so it was quite quite tricky to categorize the rally and then try to categorize this, the test roads with all basically for me it was all brand new mm-hmm. um and it was the rally was a success i don't remember if the test was a success or not uh, they were they were never happy anywhere our guys <laughs> <They're> always... <laughs> but i think it was it was it was okay i think um i think the test roads were not so bad in the end but yeah you, you know tarmac is a little bit easier in one way, but to try to categorize, you know, if you find a test road that's too abrasive and you're killing tires all day, you know, and you planned only three sets, but they're already done by 2 p.m., 3 p.m., then yeah, you've got the wrong test road, you know, and and it, you've probably been led down the garden path because you've kept going stiffer with the car because the road has so much grip. Mm-hmm. And then you come to the rally or you come to the shakedown even, and it's already you know you're way off you know so for sure the, the the nature of the asphalt is is important trying to figure out you know if it's a, a big like sharp stone um with not so much traffic over it which means it stays quite sharp or if it's you know if it's a big stone but polished from a lot of heavy heavy equipment or a lot of traffic over it you know that's the big stone still brings good grip, but if it rains, it's you know nice. because you've got that polished nature. It's yeah, it's much more difficult. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a tricky one. Tarmac and gravels to try and find the right roads, but experience is a lot of it, and the drivers will also tell you a lot of it. They could also tell you straight away that the test road is wrong on the first run, and then you might have to go to your. We've had that before, where they said, mm, "This is this is not no. right." And you're better then to okay go to your test coordinator. What else do you have locally? And you're better to cancel what you're on and make the best of you know. Try to move everything, trucks and personnel. He he might have quite quite valid reasons for it. You know, it's it's too narrow or it's too slow or too twisty or whatever. You can you mm-hmm. can also get it wrong. Maybe you had no um, maybe you had no choice in the matter. You know, with the test road. You know, maybe it's weren't able to get the closure. Yeah, but they can say, you know, we're wasting our time here. There's no point. We should look for. It's better to look for something else than to drive here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's fair enough. Then you have to pack up everything and start looking and move. Um, <laughs> you may be a case, you know, everything is planned and everything's going well, but you're relying on the local police to to keep the road closed. 
um, but they can also be called away on an emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the kind of variable you just can't plan for. Yeah. I mean, just... Yeah. The same for the ambulance. You know, you are if you're doing proper testing and you're closing roads, you know, properly, not not necessarily, you know, the more relaxed ro- routine that has, that I've seen in the past. Mm. Um, that's, yeah, it still it still know. happens. Oh, I know, I know, I know. But it's yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't really agree with it. You know, it's yeah. too much. It's too much at stake. But um, mm. yeah, if you have if you have an ambulance there and the ambulance gets called away because it's the most local one, then yeah, then you have to stop the test. You know, for for the driver's sake. You know, he'll he'll want to drive still, but you know, he'll mm. say, ah, it's fine. You know, everything's okay. But yeah, you have a responsibility and you have to stop the test. And How you about do something. Um, mm-hmm. sorry, go on, sorry, Kieran. No, you you can maybe do something else, you know, you could do launch testing or something like this, you know, but you you have to be from a safety point of view, you should stop the testing. How about uh, weather and other sort of variables like that? Is it a case of just rolling with the punches if it decides to to bucket it down? And, and yeah, you, you know, you when you're looking at planning your test, you can already the test engineer if he's has his, you know, three-day test, three drivers coming, you know, one driver each day, you'll already have looked at the weather uh, because you will have to mount some tires in the factory already. You know, if you have a tire machine on event, that's even better. You can be a bit flexible, but if you don't or you don't have the space to carry it, then, yeah, then you need to mount everything on rims beforehand. And then you need to cover yourself, you know, in case it's going to be wet or not. Um, So, and that's tricky then because if the weather is mixed, it's, yeah, you it's better to find the space for the tire machine then you know or or else you need to bring another trailer and put more rims and tires on it but if it's if it's raining it's always i think it's always a good thing you know you just you pause everything and you say okay we've had this in our you know on our job list for a long time to do a a wet test so now we're going to tick this question this question and this question off what if we do this what if we do that we need to try those things. So you can go straight to that. You'll have a you'll have an ongoing maybe wet test list on your own laptop or in your head, or maybe the driver will. Um, so you need to make use of it. The, th- the thing with that is it's a lot to do with the driver feedback there because if it's like scattered showers, it's never consistent, you know, it's never absolutely perfectly wet all over the road, you know, from the beginning to the end of the test. So you have to it's a lot about the driver there to tell you you know how it's working if if it's working well or not you know um but it is a realistic rally situation where you're driving in and out of you know damp conditions wet conditions or whatever so it's it's a good thing to do you know you can forget to find the perfect setup you should probably forget to find the perfect setup for a rally car because it's you know if you look at the nature of rally and gravel or tarmac or snow you know the the road changes too much mm. it's the, mm. you know the the perfect setup is doesn't exist it's a you need the best compromise really yeah <clears throat> i'd imagine like like new zealand this year must have thrown a right spanner in the works for the teams because the way the road changed mm. so quickly there's surely no way they could have had any sort of approximation of those conditions and their tests for new zealand and, and no one expected those conditions either yeah. going in i i I read somewhere that that one of the WRC teams had graded heavily graded some test roads for the for the mm-hmm. banked feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, 
whether whether it's true or not, I don't know. It's a good idea if you have that budget to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe so. Which drivers would have had experience down there? OGA drove down there, I think. Yeah, and twenty. Yeah, he drove there twenty fifteen. Yeah. No. Yeah. He also nearly won there with Citroen, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, and that. long to, and yeah. there wouldn't have been with Danny. Danny probably. Uh, must have. Danny must have driven down there. But he didn't go to New Zealand with Hyundai this year, did he? Oh, didn't he? Okay. I don't think okay. so. I don't think that was oh. one of his events. So, yeah, basically no one. I mean, the same would go for Japan now as well, although yeah. the last Japan wasn't Tarmac. No. Or it wasn't no. Gravel 2012, it was wasn't gravel, it? Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, if you have that kind of a budget to, to grade the roads so that they, you know, that they have this banked feature, mm-hmm. fantastic. If not, it becomes difficult what do you do yeah, yeah. i think uh, you if you if if someone has experience you know to say what's the closest you know where, where's what's the closest location you should still go there because even if the roads are not up to speed you should go as late as possible to the event so that the drivers are sharp and fresh that they're used to the speed you know the closer they can be the closer the test especially finland this one they were pushing and pushing and pushing. The other rallies up Poland also, they wanted to push the prevent test so close to the event. It was like, you know, the recce was Monday and the prevent test was finished on a Sunday or a Saturday. And none of the okay. other tests were like that. But because the speeds were so high, they needed that match fitness. Yeah, that that yeah, that whatever they get from it, this this sharpness or reaction or feeling or you know they get something from it it was really important to them to be as close as possible so like when you when you see how how much they push that point forward and then you take that point go back to your clubman who who does a 50 kilometer you know test prevent test and he does four rallies a year it's it's difficult for him you know to get up to speed you know so you know people are harshly judging different drivers oh he's you know the car is too good for him or he's he's not fast enough or whatever but it's not easy is it you know if if it was easy we'd all be doing it absolutely yeah Yeah. well richard i think you've given us a a great um coverage there of 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 pet and or and testing in general um uh, you're absolutely superb genuinely fascinated yeah. yeah. Um yeah, yeah so when we really did want to cover for it and, and as I said, you could branch off so many different topics with it almost as you, well if you, you had could, the time. Could, yeah. yeah um, but it is uh it's yeah, rarely spoken about but actually it's 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 really nice to go on a proper test, yeah. If you've, yeah. you know, good car, it doesn't matter if it's development test or if it's a prevent test. Prevent test is nice I think because you know, you know the competition is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have the freedom to 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 test, you know, all the different things and prepare prepare for your rally and put, like I say, put some things in the pocket that you can use later. You know, <laughs> maybe maybe you find something on the test, you know, that's not for that rally but for another rally, and you put it in the pocket for then. Keep it for another time. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Mm-hmm. Jamie, before we wrap up, if you have any points that you wanted to touch on before we start uh, to land this plane. No, no, I'm all good. That was that was thoroughly comprehensive. I I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice to talk about rally, even uh, if I'm 
even if I'm in Rallycross at the moment. But you can now with uh, Ola Christian your heart baby, lies. Yeah, we have, <laughs> have Ola Christian baby in the team and uh, and Johan, so the conversation really quickly goes back to Rally. <laughs> I bet, I bet, yeah. Two yeah. <laughs> two really talented guys. They must be pretty good to work with. Yeah, they're really good guys. Yeah, really good. You know, and Ola Christian, he's you know he did some rally cross a long time ago. He's done a lot of rally since then, but he's jumped into the yeah. RX when he came now, and he's straight on the pace. And mm. it's it's good to see. It's nice. So all all of them, they all they've all got podiums this year. Um, yeah, just Ola Christian now and uh, Gustav Bergstrom. They need to jump on the top step of the podium. Hopefully, yeah, that would be nice. Now there's only one round left, so let's see. Jamie and I saw Ola Christian at Rally Legend a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> the, and, uh, yeah, he showed me some uh, onboard video of that. Uh, I'd he, say that's quite something. Yeah, he said <laughs> it was without a doubt by far the most enjoyable weekend he has ever done. It's good fun. Yeah. He it said is. it was so welcoming, so relaxed, um, you know, and you know, the more show you put on, the more you got back from the crowd and the organizers, you know? Yeah. It yeah. was, yeah, it was fantastic, yeah. It's a pretty special atmosphere there. And those, those S1 supercars as well at, at mm-hmm. night when you, uh, four glowing brake discs and, and yeah. blue flames and, yeah. and, the, and the ALS on them at the start line is, yeah. Yeah. He said, um, what was interesting was he said, like, the, the, the drivability of that, car and the, the drivability on the throttle is absolutely fine for rally cars, perfect for a track mm-hmm. but he said you put the same car there so it was the same car just a co-driver seat uh 18 inch wheels and pirelli tires and he said the same car the same throttle the same response it was not undrivable but it was just too much for the for a rally stage mm-hmm. because you know then things are pushing 600 horsepower and a whole load of torque and wow they are proper faster. Yeah. Groupie <laughs> plus, you know. It's you're really yeah. trying to rein it in. You can yeah. probably get too easily carried away with it on a on a road like that, I'd imagine. I think he had a I think he had a different plan at the weekend though. It was just maximum angle and maximum fun. Yeah. Yeah, well <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of angles it, there. Yeah. They ran out of tires there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually I did notice. I think was it was it him who went missing on, on the Sunday, the Sunday loop. Yeah. So maybe yeah, no tires left. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it seems to be a regular occurrence for people who come to that event the first yeah. time or, or they or they bring, you know, tarmac tires and not gravel tires, you yeah. know, if they're in a the different if they're in something else. Yeah. They need to bring the gravel tires that the, the crow don't want uh, smooth and quick. Yeah. They want yeah. various ideas. Um, I, I must go there next year if it doesn't clash um, with any event or something like that. I must, I must make a point to go with some of the boys from home. So, oh yeah, it looks, it looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah. and even for the even for the guys supporting, they said it's like the old days with chasing. You know, you're running from stage to stage because you know they need tires and fuel again. Mm. Yeah, you know, they, it kind of added a kind of romantic aspect to it when you're driving up into the yeah. next stage. You see the kind of the chase cars and and roadside servicing and remote servicing yeah. and regroups, um, especially exactly. when there was guys in like period service vehicles as yeah. well. Um, yeah. Have we gone? Have we gone wrong with the modern way of rallying? Mm. Oh, that's that's another debate. <laughs> I, I <laughs> that's a dangerous. To, I think you're about to segue into what's your favorite service barge, which, which is a good. <laughs> I do yeah. like a do like a chase car. Um, 
I uh, I was watching an old, I think it was Circuit of Ireland '96 lately, and I was quite taken with um, Liam McCallaghan's Chase Carey Corolla Estate XLI with, the, but it had the three spoke road wheels from a GT4 Ooh, and a Chase Care. I don't know. That was just very perverted and, and weird to see you. And yeah. it was really good, though. Do you remember all of Bertie's chase cars outside the, was it the Grand Hotel in Killarney? Mm, I remember photographing that. All, all the yeah, Subaru estates were lined up. I don't know. I don't remember if they were legacies. No, they were they were Imprezas, I think. They were Impreza uh, estates lined up. Maybe there was legacy. Maybe yeah, an older year, but yeah, there would have been legacy. Somebody I'd say they were predominantly impressors. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, that was nice. Yeah. yeah, could definitely have another another whole episode on chase cars and, yeah. and I want to what's the coolest chase and and recce vehicles from back in the day. Yeah. Um, but on that yeah. note, Richard, we'll we'll end it there, and uh, no doubt we'll we'll catch up again soon sometime. Yeah, good to uh, talk to you guys. Yeah, thanks and, for having me. back, mate. And thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Rally DNA. See you again soon.